everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Barger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions, and joining me as per usual is my co-host and partner in crime, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I am so excited for what we're going to talk about today, because I feel like we've been promising to do this episode for a good, like, six weeks now and we're finally gonna do it (laughs) and also we have a guest today that's right we do um everybody make sure you leave nice feedback on this episode because my boss is joining us today he is a big fan of the show we are about to discuss as (laughs) all right thinking people really should be so uh welcome to televisions for the first time in a while nick scalera thank you very much you can actually call me the gaffer for this episode I want to uh, I, wait. Let's just uh, what are we? Uh, you may introduce what we're talking about this week. What are we talking about? So we're talking about the greatest show to air in 2020, 2021, otherwise known as Ted Lasso. The the surprise breakout mm. hit that started as a commercial many years ago and is now Apple Plus's, I guess, really their signature franchise. Right. Wouldn't you say that? I mean, I'd certainly say it's their most popular one. Like, yeah. I, the morning show got a ton of Emmy nominations and stuff. But and and I Apple think... still treats the morning show as if it's the flagship show. Like, it does. It, it it hasn't figured out quite that Ted Lasso should be its flagship <laughs> show. But as, I mean, to be fair, yeah. I liked the morning show. Um, so right. you know, the thing about the morning show, just really off topic, is that it built itself incorrectly. Like, people expected it to be one thing, and it turned out to be something very, very different. And the problem is it didn't actually let anybody know it was going to be something very, very different until too many episodes in when everybody had already tuned out. Anyway, that's my thought on the I really show. liked it. Reese Witherspoon is the best part. The well, end. wait. Anyway, did, did that show get 20 Emmy nominations? No, it got a bunch of Emmy nominations last year. Remember, season two of The Morning Show has been delayed because of COVID. Got it. Um, so it, we haven't got But Ted Lasso s- did get 20 Emmy nominations this year. Which is for the 2020 season because time. Yeah. And it makes, uh, no, Emmys run from June 1st to May 31st. That's the, the calendar year for their awards. Um, so anything that started airing. like a W with my hands. This is stupid. Oh. <laughs> Make it over the calendar year. No, anyway. I mean, honestly, the Emmys are one of the only ones that actually do that. And I don't know. I mean, I know why. It's because the old television season ran until the end of May, et cetera, et cetera. But it honestly, it's 2021. Like, yeah. We can move on from this nonsense. Um, but yeah, Ted Lasso, um, honestly, when when I first heard. Pause, the- pause, yes. pause. Yeah. Tell the people, as I suspect, despite the fact that the show is very buzzy. I don't think a lot of people have actually seen it. I strong-armed my husband into watching it, and he loved it. So someone uh, tell everybody what the show's about. So the show is actually based on, as as Nick noted, a series of commercials from 2013 in which an American football coach is hired by a British football team, a.k.a. soccer, to be their coach. And... I mean, you know, as people refer to, you know, the America and the UK as uh, two countries separated by a common language, um, you know, we are also separated by a common sport that's called football that has, actually has nothing to do with each other. American football and soccer have literally nothing to do with each other, even though they do vaguely come from the same, like, concept. Um, so, of course, an American football coach is completely lost when trying to coach soccer. Um in the commercials where it was played by Jason Sudeikis, um, that is how you pronounce his last name, right? Um, 
he uh he basically For those of you who don't know he's the first guy who played joe biden on saturday night live uh he he was just finishing his run on saturday night live when these commercials aired they aired as basically on nbc sports channel as basically a way to promote the fact that they had just gotten the rights to the premier league and he basically like all the commercials were like you know the 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 tough sort of like you know screamy football coach college football coach um who is now suddenly in england and like you know basically a bull in a china shop is sort of the concept of the commercials um when they made this into a television show, my first thought is that this is the kind of thing that a company that has more money than sense would develop. Um, honestly, like, I, I initially thought it was going to be like, uh, does anybody remember when NBC made a TV show out of MacGruber? Uh, actually, I was thinking of when NBC made a show out of the caveman the from caveman. Geico. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. I like, mean, it's sort of literally- like, you know, it's like the equivalent of Geico making a TV show out of the lizard, you know? It's, right. It sort like, of it's felt just- like that. Yeah, like I, I, I had no hope for this. I mean, Apple. This this was first announced in October of 2019, before Apple TV Plus even launched. Um, and it seemed like you know one of many projects that was not really gonna fly for a company that had never really made TV shows before. It was never in like the the production side of things. It didn't make the content. It simply delivered it. And this felt like the sort of rookie mistake you would get, where oh, making commercial into a show. That's a great idea. Yeah, actually, no, that doesn't work. Something that works for 10 seconds or 15 seconds as a spot between ep- between episodes does not work as a 22 minute or 30 minute or God forbid, 45 minute show. Um, and I was wrong. Uh, Ted Lasso is fantastic. Um, they retooled. It's actually perfect. It is actually perfect in every way. They retooled the character. So instead of being this sort of screamy, like stereotypical, like over masculine, toxic masculinity football coach, they took it and literally 180'd him so that he is like the exact opposite. He is like the Mr. Rogers of football coaches. Um, he is always there about like you know loving the game and loving what you're doing and you know hope and 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 believing in miracles but also you know knowing that it, that it's really the team effort that matters and if you lose that's okay because you're grieving together and like I just I I I I, I was stunned at how great the show was and honestly like it was one of those shows like a lot of times there's shows where I walk around and I walk around grabbing people by the shoulder and be like you have to watch this you have to watch this Ted Lasso was one where somebody did that to me. Um, and I was really glad they did because it's fantastic. And considering that it debuted in August of 2020 in the, you know, the doldrums of the pandemic, it was also very much sort of a, a balm for people to have this show about this incredibly nice, loving coach who like who who just who who was became a winning coach simply by loving all of the people around him and trying to do good by them. Well, and not even that, because technically Ted Lasso was not a winning coach. Well, yes. Okay. Um, and his team gets relegated at the end of the season. Yeah. But the whole show is just so rich and warm. And it's not just Ted that's like this. Like, it's not the American coming in and, like, taming these, like, rowdy English footballers or whatever. It's just about, like, everybody in the show is on the road to becoming their best selves. Like, whatever that means for their character where their story starts in season one. And it's just, like, it just feels in a television landscape where usually this is not the kind of thing that gets made hope is not a hope doesn't sell things kindness doesn't sell things 
um, goodness, good characters don't sell things. People want Better Call Saul. They want antiheroes. They want characters on some sort of, some sort of downward slide into like bad behavior or destruction. Like this goes against all of those things, and it feels like a revelation watching it. Like I also came to it late. I watched the I binged the whole season while I was uh, recovering from my second COVID shot. And I will fully say that it was my side effects that made me cry through the whole thing. But I cried through the whole thing. It was so cathartic. It was so just like, I haven't felt that way watching a TV show in a really long time. Like I've watched a lot of shows that I can objectively tell you were great while I was watching them and could have said that while I was watching them the first time. But like, like I feel like watching Ted Lasso, this sounds so like I'm an Apple shill, but I'm not. Like it actually just made me feel like better about life, about people, about like humanity. Like, look, we're not total expletive. Yeah. Like it's so rare to find a show like that that really makes you like not just feel like I want Ted to come to my house and give me a pep talk when I'm having a bad day. Yeah, especially in shows where that are in this genre, because, you know, there are other like um, in movies, especially like Bad News Bears, you know, The Mighty Ducks. Um, Disney Plus just recently liked it, a TV show spinoff of The Mighty Ducks. And it doesn't have this feeling to it. It has the, 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 the grumpy coach and it has all that kind of stuff that you sort of expect from this show. And it didn't really like move the needle in the same way whereas Ted Lasso because it took the genre and it basically like did something different with it it really worked because I think when you look at a show like this what you expect when you look at a show like this and the basic like lane of the show is this is a culture clash story whatever the culture thing at the center of it is but it's not about saying one culture is superior to the other it's not that the that the Greyhound team has to learn how to be more like Ted's American team or like it's like they don't have nobody has to change they just have to like be better together yeah and and it's what's interesting about the show I came to it in a very I came to it late also which I think probably Annie and Lacey would find surprising knowing that I'm a huge Premier League fan the reason I was not into the show everything I know about about British football is because of Nick honestly yes yes it's a and I've been (laughs) passionate about it for many, many years, going back to the early 2000s. And honestly, when I saw these Ted Lasso commercials come out in 2013, um, when NBC Sports picked up the Premier League, I was like, oh, this is playing on all the worst stereotypes that Americans are too dumb to understand British, you know, English football. And the character is a little bit rough and he's and he's kind of ignorant. And it's just not at all what you get in the show. And that was why I had sort of I was like, no way I'm watching this. This will sort of, this is everything I don't want in a program about soccer. And, and as it turned out in the same way, the characters are won over by Ted Lasso within like 20 minutes. I'm like, oh my God. And, and the reason is exactly very similar to what you're saying, Lacey, is that there is a respect for both cultures. And honestly, going through a year like 2020 was where the rest of the world wasn't thinking too kindly of Americans. Um, here's an American that is is curious and and careful and respectful of another cult, not judgmental, and you know it it just wins you over. You can't any resistance you have to it will will just be thrown down very quickly. Um, and uh, I I certainly had one. I had a, like a big bias against it when I started out, and now no, I think that's not. I think that's not unusual because I'm pretty sure and Greg listens to the show so he will tell me as soon as he listens to this episode whether I was right in this assumption but I think that is one reason Greg didn't want to watch initially either is that I think he assumed that this would be a show where Ted is the butt of the joke right but the secret is there isn't a joke (laughs) 
no one is the butt of the joke. It's a good point. Like, like this, this isn't that kind of show, and this isn't that kind of story. And every single character in this show, even the ones you may not like very much, sometimes cough, cough, Jamie Tart, cough, <laughs> but like, like are still on like important narrative journeys that that really pay off in emotional and significant ways. And it's not like this isn't. I really think that because this comes from a commercial, it really does a disservice to like how good the show actually is because people think it's something that it's not. Right. And, and Jason Sudeikis deserves a lot of the credit for that because he was the one, you know, and as I understand having, you know, sort of read up on this, you know, he did this character and wasn't really pleased with the character in the commercials and, and had a vision for this, how it could sort of be rounded out. And, you know, it took several years for it to get traction and for him to find, you know, he's worked with Bill Lawrence, who is the creator of Scrubs, which is another great show, but people remember um, from the 90s, you know, to develop this character and to make it into what it is, which is just really, you know, it's sort of there. There's a bit of raw materials in the commercial, like a couple of morsels but it's uh, so, a completely yeah, some different of the jokes are the same some right. of the jokes are the same yeah. because after we watched the show greg went and watched all of the videos so i have now seen the videos having not having apparently missed out on that before and some of the jokes are the same the one about like how many countries are in the united <laughs> kingdom and they're like four right but um so yeah i mean that's really the only similarity i saw was that they lift some of the jokes yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as a sketch, you know, so you think of Sudeikis as sort of a sketch actor in, in SNL and sort of having a, you know, how do you, this has happened, this has not worked before, right? There have been many sketches that have been wanting to become a series and, and it didn't um, because often there's like, there's three jokes and then they're done, right? You know, um, so yeah. Who so. thought making a MacGruber show was the move? <laughs> Who did that? So the other reason I think that Ted Lasso works so well also is because it isn't just about Ted. Um, yes. you know, when, when Ted is hired by by AFC Richmond, which is the, the football club that hires him, um, he's hired by Rebecca Welton, who is uh, played by Hannah Waddingham. Um, and she basically hires him because he's incompetent. She's doing this because she wants to destroy the team. The team was her husband's. She won it in the divorce. He left her. She's mad at him. And so her idea is basically to destroy the thing that he loves. Um, and she has uh, Higgins, who is kind of like her director of football operations who's basically like helping her and like doing everything he can to like undermine lasso at all at all costs and both of these characters by the time the first season is over like you love them and it's not just that you love them like you are so rooting for them and in season two the first episode which released on friday like uh, i we, we get this thing where rebecca is now starting to date and like I I was like, oh my god! If if she's dating a bad person, I'm going to be so mad at the show. She can't date bad people. I will be so upset if like she has a jerk boyfriend. But she doesn't date a bad person. She no. just dates a boring person. Yeah. Um. But like honestly, like this show never does. This show doesn't do that. Like the thing that you expect it to do. Like oh, make her date a new jerk just like the last one. Um. It, it goes it goes in a completely different direction like he's not a bad person he's just a little self-centered and dull and she could do better and we know she could do better and i honestly also really love like the relationship she has with keely who is kind of like her oh, assistant my favorite um juno temple is amazing in this role by the way um and i she have to say and i have a piece in me at some, that i'm gonna write at some point about this but Rebecca and Keeley's friendship is honestly, save one other thing, which I'll get to in a minute, is one of my favorite things about the show because 
This is a show about sports. It's about a very male-dominated world. It's about a world that men are primarily interested in. I know there are female soccer fans in England. Please stay away from the internet. But, like, the, you don't expect a show like this to be so good at writing women and at writing female friendship. Yeah. And their friendship is incredible. They are so, like, supportive of each other. They are so, like, there for each other. Like, I want them to be my friends. Yeah, but at the same time, also, they're a little afraid to be, like, you know, they're a little afraid to be like not there for each other. So like one of the things about the opening episode is that, um, you know, Rebecca's boyfriend is boring and Healy's trying really hard to cheer her on, even though she knows that Rebecca could do better. But she doesn't want to say you can do better. And it literally takes Roy Kent to say it to her. And like I, I, I found out I found out that my friends hated my ex, not Greg, um, an ex that I dated for like five years. We dated for five years. We broke up. And then I found out after that, that all of my best friends hated him. And I'm like, could you have told me that at any point prior to right now? Yeah, because girls don't do that. We don't tell each other because we don't want to hurt each other's feelings. And like, I loved the re- the realism of that really just every time we get moments with Rebecca and Keely, that kind of realism is always in there. And I really appreciate that in a show that I was expecting to be about soccer. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it it turns, you know, there's a lot of sports movie tropes that you've all seen before. And what I love about this is it sort of turns them on their head, you know, in the same way that it looks at the, that friendship in a more realistic way. It's like, just because this coach comes in with this sort of folk wisdom and, you know, really helps, <laughs> really helps the players to believe in themselves, they're still just not good enough. And in the end, they don't win. And I just thought that that, that, that to me was brilliant. That's part of the brilliance of the show. It does take some unexpected turns. It starts from yeah, this. Yeah, but they don't win because Jamie finally makes the extra pass. True. Oh, my heart. It is true. That's true. Um, the show just like kills me. Right, yeah. right. And so in the end, you know, Ted, Ted Lasso is... Um, um, advice works for an opposing player, which is also a great, a different thing that you would not see in most sports movies. Yeah. And and Roy Kent is another one. Like, I think of Roy Kent as kind of like the romantic hero. I would fight strangers. I would fight strangers on the street for Roy. Like, like I'm I, not kidding. I love him so much. I did not expect, like, to have, like, the angry old player who has to retire <laughs> to be, like, my romantic hero of 2020. And, like, <laughs> I just, I love him so much. And I want all the good things for him and Keely. Like, I just do. Like, they're so great. And, like, he's such a better person for Keely than Jamie. Thank you. That is all. Um, um, yes. I don't think Jamie's a good person for anyone. Uh, but I do. Like, Roy is my favorite character. I love Ted, but I literally would fight people for Roy. Because I feel like, again, this is the sort of character that you do not get in sports movies. Like, you do not get the aging captain being anything other than, like, stoic in, like, the twilight of his, you know, sports hero days or whatever. Like, then, and nothing ever looks at, like, what comes after that. Right. And it's certainly, like... You don't get I the moment that I realized that I loved Roy Kent was there's a, a moment in the first season where Ted's trying to like get to know all the players and, and sort of win them over and he leaves them all a book in their locker. And Roy's book is a wrinkle in time. And when he was sitting and reading a wrinkle in time with Phoebe, who's like his eight year old niece, and I was just like, oh, no, reader, I love him. And I did, because it's very much like Roy's journey is very much about like him discovering what there is to him that isn't about football. 
And part of that is Phoebe and part of that is Keely. And part of that is his amazing like yoga group with wine moms (laughs) where they watch like reality TV together. Like I need like a whole episode of that. That I I, I need so much more of that Love (laughs) Island parody. Oh my God. I need it. We do get to see a bit of it in season two for the first time. So so in the first episode, there's a bit of that. Hopefully we'll get more. Yeah, I, 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 I just want to know, all, like the one wine mom that had like, she's going through a divorce and it was a rough time and I need to know how she's doing. But like a character like Roy, if we're slotting people into like stereotypical places, like he's supposed to be Mr. Toxic Masculinity and he is like the furthest thing from that. Like he is capable of such growth and change and warmth and just goodness in the space of yeah. these, what, how many episodes have there been total now? Like 10? Yeah, the first season was ten. I mean, there's a scene you, I'm sure, I'm sure you both remember where Roy is sort of like arguing and saying his like his his gruff appearance, and he's using all these expletives, and then he sort of walks away and he puts his hand out, and his niece like grabs his hand, and they're holding hands, walking away, and you're just like, that is just so brilliant to take that character and just with one sort of visual cue to get you to realize that this is a well-rounded person that's sort of more than meets the eye in season two now that he's retired from football he's coaching phoebe's soccer team (laughs) and i would also watch a show of roy coaching phoebe's soccer team because he just yells obscenities at these tiny girls and they're just like yeah they're like so into it i just i love it so much yeah um i think it helps that brett goldstein who plays roy kent is one of the writers on the show Um, when i tell you that my mind was blown when i learned that fact yeah just whoo yeah i i think that really helps too that 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 you know one of the things about like these people are writing their own characters like you know as you said like the whole idea the idea was to you know basically come at ted lasso again and do him better and i feel like there's a level with all of these characters and all of the people writing them who play them that there's a level where they just want to give us the best character they can and because it's they're writing for themselves it's a little different than if it were a writer who was not them if that makes any sense yeah, and, and and there's also this this thing that I read about that this series, all 10 episodes of the first season were written before they started shooting and that they shot it all in order, which if you know anything about the way oh, sitcoms no, that's never are produced. never happens anywhere. Yeah, that, you know, that is sort of the continuity. You could just tell that this sort of um, by the end, and I guess the effect of this is when you think about it, when you get to episode nine, these actors have all been together for like months and the story arcs are sort of leading up to this conclusion. And it's got, it just appears to have that emotional impact on them when they get to the final episode, that, that this thing has sort of been scripted out in order and they know the flow of it. And it's not like we're doing scene, scene three from episode three now. And we're also going to do, you know, uh, episode two, scene one right after that. It's, it's just a different way that you don't often see for a sitcom. It also allows them to rehearse an order as well, which I think does make a difference, though I know that actors would tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> I do think it makes a difference. Nick, as our resident football person, how how accurate slash good is Ted Lasso about depicting how football is? And or and or football leagues or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Absolutely. I know you watch all this Oh, no, stuff. great question. And it was something that I, I obviously sort of probably had an, an eye towards that I wanted to be very nitpicky about from the beginning, but you sort of quickly throw that away because it's not that important. That being said, they do get a lot of the details right. And someone took some time to figure these things out. Um, 
you know, for example, AFC Richmond is a fictional team, but they still play against actual Premier League teams like Manchester City and Everton. Um, they played the games in an actual Premier League stadium, which is called Selhurst Park, which is the home of Crystal Palace FC. Um, and in fact, um, they played Crystal Palace at one They point. played Crystal Palace. And an interesting story behind that is that um, because they wanted to use Selhurst Park, the showrunners, um, Crystal Palace forced them to agree that um, AFC Richmond would lose to Crystal Palace as one of the storylines. <laughs> so that's actually a thing that happened. Um, <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so that, that's, that, that's great. Um, you know, there's some, you know, the Roy Kent character is actually supposed to uh, also be a stand in for an actual player from Manchester United called Roy Keane, who is actually sort of a mean, gruff old veteran. But again, there's, there's Roy, Roy Kent and Roy Keane. There's nothing in common based on what I know of Roy Kent's, you know, or Roy Keane's actual life arc. Um, I'm singing the song in my head right now, but I can't sing it on the show because it's full of expletives. It's true. And it's, it's great, though. There's things that like, for example, their shirt sponsor. I don't know if you picked up on that, but their shirt sponsor is Dubai Air, which I just laughed out loud when I saw that because um, if Isn't that like the Arsenal sponsor, right? So Arsenal sponsor is Air Emirates. Aren't you proud of me that I know that? Yes, it's Emirates <laughs> Air. So they they got details like that. Right. You know, the fact that there's like a lot of like, you know, oil money. Um, backing these teams. And um, I thought, look, you know, the only place I would say it fell down a little bit is just like the actual, like if you're, if you're a soccer nut and you're looking for this to be like a soccer movie with great action, there's not a lot of scenes on the pitch and the ones that they have are a little cheesy. The actors aren't necessarily the most fit people. Um, But that's not the reason to watch this. That is not the reason to watch this. Yeah. And I think especially for people who are not soccer fans i mean i have watched and i have watched football on and off all my life because my dad was british and like it was just sort of around um but i've never loved it um that way like i i can watch it i understand it i follow it but one of the things i was kind of nervous about when i was told no you really have to watch ted lasso oh my god annie watch ted lasso what is wrong with you watch ted lasso was i don't really want to watch a soccer show and like this is not a soccer show no it's really i said this is this is how i sold it to greg it's like it's like how you know friday night lights is a show that had like it's it's like that it's like there's football in friday night lights but it's not a show about football exactly yeah i I mean and this is this again this is they went to they got a few details right and you know they explain relegation and they explain all that kind of stuff but um it's it's Ted a, still doesn't know what offsides is. It's okay if I don't know. Ted never learns what offsides actually is, and you know a lot of fa- soccer fans don't know exactly what offsides is, and it all works because it's about the drama. It's about personal development. It's about knowing, you know, uh, the strengths and weaknesses of your team and getting people of from disparate backgrounds to cooperate, and that's that's just a huge part of it. And it's all and and you know hope springs eternal in sport. And that's that's always a thing, you know, no matter how bad your team is, there's always hope. And I think that that's, you know, where, where, where the show just really sort of gets to the heart of why any soccer fan or sports fan watches something. It's just sort of like it's believing, it's hoping that, you know, you're going to have success and you don't always, you know, you don't always do that. I but. do feel I do feel a kinship. Um, I don't actually know that I've talked about this that much on the show because we've made most of the show during a pandemic when my team wasn't really playing or doing particularly well. But I'm a huge college basketball fan and I follow UVA basketball like all around the country when we go to places and it's safe. But um, I really relate to the dudes in the local 
those three guys who like just watch every game in the bar and like they're so loyal and so angry all at the same time and i'm like this speaks to me right i understand this i think they definitely got the depictions of <laughs> soccer fans right from what i know about about british soccer culture i mean it's a little if anything it's a little bit kinder than than most football fans are but the level of passion is certainly there <laughs> no, no one got like stabbed yes so the level good. of passion is there for sure so you know, again, it's, it's, uh, you know, we all, you know, we were laughing about this before, but you know, that, that the quote from Jamie Rojas, football is life. I mean, that's what this is about. It's, it's life. It's not, I love Danny Rojas so much. uh, It's such a great character. And, um, you know, again, I'm it's so a excited metaphor. that I that he gets more to do in the second season. Let us take our Danny Rojas discussion into a discussion of the season two premiere. Oh so my god! If you guys okay. have not watched this show, if there, if you guys have not watched the show yet, turn this episode off right now and come back to it after you have. We've only talked about season one up until this point, and it's been kind of like some spoilers, nothing that'll ruin it for you. We're going to talk. But about we're going to talk about the big spoiler now. right now, which is that you know that site that says uh, "Does the dog die?" Yeah, the dog's going to yes. die. Um. um <laughs> Season two starts with AFC Richmond having been relegated to the league below them, which is somehow still called like the championship league or something. I don't know know how they delineate losers. That makes any sense to me. Um, But they are also like they're midway through the season or, or ish and they have not won a game yet, but they've also not lost a game. They have seven draws in a row because you can have ties in soccer because soccer is weird. Right. And of course, that's a that's that's a joke that is played for laughs several times. The American coach not understanding the concept of draws and not wanting to do that sort of thing. But um, he does see it as sort of a cosmic um, uh, punishment. Right. Because there's a, a storyline at the accident. He accidentally kills the dog. Yeah, he basically right. he, he 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 could have won the game, but the the dog gets away and the ball hits the dog, and that's the end of the dog. And it's you know it, I mean, it could be a total. It. They don't like yeah. show the dog in agony or anything, but it's a little. I, I'm an animal person, and even I was a little angry at the show for yeah. this. Um, and like you you think that it's like going to be a huge scandal, and Ted of course says all the right things to the reporters, and it's not a scandal, and it's all going to be okay, except that Danny Roja has now decided that football is death. Football is no longer life. Football is death. Football is life. It's but it is so also goth life. of him. I love it. Like I, I need him to like start wearing a black uniform. Practically, like it's so great. <laughs> um. So they desperate. They, they they because football is now death. He can no longer make goals, and he is like their. There big is a scorer. word for this in sports that American sports fan will know, and it is called getting the yips. I actually had no idea that was a thing. Like I didn't know that was real. Oh, that's I thought a the thing show in baseball for sure. Oh wow! So today I learned. Um, Happens to pitchers a lot. So basically, Greg will be so proud of me right now. <laughs> so they uh, they they basically hire in a sports psychologist, um, and uh, her name is Sharon, and she basically comes in and she's like, and and she is that person who is better than her at her job than you will ever hope to be, um, and not only does she cure Danny, and but she doesn't eat carbs because she's a monster. It's like, oh my god, she she frightens me, and yet I love her, and like I want her to like solve all the team's problems and help them all like get themselves to like the next level. Like I desperately need Ted to like get over himself and his like and, and and his and his wariness of psychiatry and psychology and like go pay a visit to her because yeah I, I i desperately need that scene to come um i actually really love um that this show there's there's a real danger in this show sometimes i think and they they walk this line very carefully of making ted like too good and too perfect and too like um goody two shoes huggable mr rogers guy and i what i love about this episode is that ted is jealous 
And he's really like uncomfortable that this woman might be better at giving Danny something that he can't. Like he distrusts therapists because of his divorce last season and like totally understandable reasons. But like, I like that the show is willing to remind us that Ted has flaws like any other person. Yeah, absolutely. And this is actually an arc that I'm really hoping will play out over the course of the season is him learning. Is Ted getting to learn? Right. That's an excellent, excellent point, because we haven't seen that. He sees himself as everyone's, you know, he's the he's the guru. He's a Svengali. He he is sort of getting everything he wants out of these players by using various, you know, sort of mostly hopeful and positive techniques. But they kind of are techniques. They kind of are psychological techniques. And I think what's interesting about this arc with bringing in the psychologist is that since uh, Ted is not a tactician because he still doesn't understand the game. Really, all he offers to the team is emotional support and ways of being confident, you know, g- gaining confidence, believing in themselves. And if he doesn't have that, I think he's thinking, well, what do what do I contribute if I don't have this bit anymore? So I'll be very curious to see where that all goes. Yeah, I um, I think that this is probably one of the smartest things that the show has done with season two is to create an arc like that, because I was one of the things about the end of season one is that even though like obviously like next year again, but like also next year again, like do we not have anywhere new to go? Do we not have anything like I not that I don't love the show, but I a show that sophomore season doesn't figure out how to develop itself and just sort of reruns the plays twice I mean, sure, it works, but I always, I, I, it, it sort of, I dread that. And this, this episode really sort of shows that no, the show does have a place to go with it, and that it, it, it does have like, it does have a full story that it's trying to tell. Um, one of the things that um I've seen the the team behind Ted Lasso say is that they see this as a three season story, and mm, I, I just saw something about that the other day that they like they basically said that again, and part of me was like, no. Because I really feel like I could just watch these guys be like adorable all the time, but sometimes it is better to like write to an ending. So I don't know. I'm torn. Well, also, I, I, I this is just a thing with streaming in general. Like, I don't think shows running ten seasons are a thing anymore. Like, honestly, like there's shows like like Bridgerton should run ten seasons and they won't. They will run five at most. Um, and this is this is true of m- most shows on streaming now is that they don't run more than three or four seasons um netflix is famous for canceling things at season three um and i think that ted lasso is very aware of that i think the people behind the show are very aware of that and that they are basically functioning in the new reality by trying to tell a story that fits the way that the genre now works right and it's i think ironically enough because you know we, we had chatted about this off mic like this isn't really a British show, but it's actually very British, right? You guys are the experts to just do to like yes. be like three seasons is the is is the extent of this. We're not going to it's not going to become an American office into 12 seasons. It's going to be a British office, which is like three or four, because that's what we need to tell this story. Yeah, Um. honestly, this is this show is like um. the thing about Apple TV Plus is it doesn't really have any British British shows in quite this way. Um, yeah, this it, is the second episode on an Apple TV show that we <laughs> Yes, because they the, the, the shows do feel very British. Like we did a show on Dickinson back uh, begin, towards the beginning of the year for season two because Dickinson is an amazing show, but it is not British. It is set in New England. And yet it is so totally very obviously of the same caliber and cloth as the other shows we cover here at televisions. And 
I think that that's really I think that 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 says a lot about what we see as prestige TV and how American TV doesn't usually form to that. So when we see a show that is American that does form to that, our instinct is to call it British television. Exactly. And, it's in, and I think the, also the three season sort of the, the three season limit here actually, I think, also points to what we were talking about earlier, that that there is a rough sort of a harder side to Ted Lasso that we don't see very often. But in the last episode, when after they've been relegated and he wants to turn in his last episode of season one, he wants to turn in his resignation and Rebecca refuses and says, come back next year. And he basically says, OK, well, next year we'll get promoted back up to the Premier League and then the third year we will win it and it was this very the first time he was ever like yeah I care about results because all through the first season he's like you know winning isn't important it's sort of like being a good person and developing character but like I do think that there is going to be more of an edge edge to, to Ted Lasso that we're going to see we've seen the indication of it a little bit in in that first episode but uh seeing a little bit more might be pretty interesting uh, the the trailer shows Led Tasso, um, which I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I I I fear Led Tasso a lot, and also I need to know everything about him. That sounds like a hairband. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I love. Does. I I have a one of the pre-programmed stations in my car is Hair Nation, so that's not a criticism. Um, I also think that um. One of the things Apple TV Plus also needs to do sort of with this show is to let it be what it is rather than push it. Um, one of the things Apple TV Plus has been kind of guilty of as a streamer is sort of trying to make their shows into things that are bigger than they are. Um, and that goes for the morning show. That goes for that that C show that is just absolutely god awful. Um, and oh, I haven't watched that one, but I like what's his face. Um, I, I love Jason Moma. I do. I, I, I think that there are moments of that show that are completely genius. And I think the rest of it is trash. Um, but <laughs> you know, for all mankind does better when they don't push it. Um, Dickinson does well because they're not pushing it. And I feel like Ted Lasso needs to just sort of be allowed to be what it is and not be anything beyond that. Um, one of the things that I was joking about during the Euro finals is if we don't get a new Ted Lasso teaser, what are we even doing here? But then we didn't get one because Apple isn't actually trying to push it like that. And I thought that was actually a really good sign in a way. Um, even though like, you know, social media did quite enough without them having to I do mean, anything i i was just waiting for them to play the lasso special that's all <laughs> right well which i actually you know what i've watched enough american football that i should have understood that better than i did exactly like, there's just there's so many sports things that like it's a good thing they don't concentrate on sports things because those things just totally lose me right Although I do think I do think Apple Plus did try to promote it a bit. They I don't know if you guys saw this, but several of the the players in the cast attended the FA Cup final in London, and there was this hilarious scene where an, a British uh, journalist uh, interviewed them for television. Had no idea who these guys were, so they were acting in character. So Danny Rojas is there. They start singing the Danny Rojas song. The um, all the various players are like, "He's our best. He's going to be the greatest," you know, and all this stuff. So, um, so I think they're trying to do a little bit of sort of tie-in with with you know what's going on in football. But um, but yeah, I, I think I think you're I think you're right. Um, it's not I actually, they're playing I mean, it right. I actually think in the I think in their way they are trying a little bit because uh last year this was a binge, wasn't it? Or did they Oh did yeah, their... no, but that's also Apple TV Plus in general is moving away from binge to weekly. And I think that's just a function of streaming realizing that the binge model does not work very well. Um and that 
and Netflix, in a way, almost is trying to move away from it, like with its reality, t- the way it rea- uh, releases reality TV shows now, like, say, The Great British Bake- Baking Show. Like, this is the, the binge model was a really great idea in, di- in disrupting TV. But the fact of the matter is, is TV didn't really feel like being disrupted. And now it's disrupting back and streaming has to figure it out. Um, and I really feel it's not just this show that Apple, a- Apple TV Plus is moving to a weekly release format with. And I actually think that that's a, uh, it did it with all man for all mankind was a weekly release. Dickinson was a weekly release. Um, and well, I, those yeah. actually, those actually, they did the thing where they dropped a couple and then moved to weekly. Like Ted Lasso, they're starting with one and then doing it for 10 weeks or however many episodes are in this season. Like for all mankind, I just remember specifically it was like three episodes and then they went weekly, but yeah. Um, I, which I, which I actually, which I actually think like for something like Apple TV, like that's a good, kind of split the baby sort of thing in the middle Mm -hmm. because I do think some of their shows are so slow that watching one episode doesn't give you much. I'm thinking specifically of For All Mankind. (laughs) Yep. Ted Lasso also, oh, Ted Lasso, first of all, isn't slow. Each episode is what, 22 minutes, 24 minutes. Um, And each episode is also very self-contained. We love brevity. Oh, love brevity. Um, I also love the fact that every episode is self-contained. Um, each tells a, a a complete story within the episode. Um, so season two, episode one is the story of Danny Roja losing his uh losing his mojo and getting it back. Like that is that is the arc of the of the episode, and we know that that arc will be done when we hit the next episode. And for all mankind is more in that sort of Netflix binge style where like, yeah, it does take several episodes because none of them are a self-contained unit. Um, and I feel like that's one of the other reasons why Apple TV Plus is moving to a weekly format with shows like Dickinson, which is also, you know, contained units of 22 to 24 minutes. Yeah. And, and okay. Also, I mean, one other thing that, that I wanted to mention, just because Lacey knows how obsessed I am with music, but the music in this is fantastic as well. And um, it, it, there's there's a pretty funny story, actually. I, I, most people might know or recognize that Marcus Mumford, who is, you know, the front man of Mumford and Sons, does the theme song, which is an absolutely fantastic theme song. But we only get like a 30 second clip, but it totally works. I don't skip the intro on Ted Lasso ever because that's a fabulous song. But one of the things that ended up happening is that... Um, Sudeikis met the Mumford, Mumford and Sons were performing on SNL. And so he knew he knew Marcus Mumford. And when they were trying to do the show, he's like, well, I'd like to have you do the music. So in kind of very typical Ted Lasso style, he left him a voicemail. And apparently, uh, like me and probably like other like a lot of other people, Marcus Mumford didn't doesn't really check his voicemail regularly. And the voicemail from Jason Sudeikis inviting him to do the music sat there for two two months until he finally listened to it. And and Jason thought he was being ghosted by Mumford. But when he finally heard it, he was like, hell yeah, I want to do this because Mumford's also a football fan. And so sometimes it just seems to me like the stars just align for this show in so many weird ways that they just got the absolute right people at the right time in the right place. Um, and this is just sort of another example. I think music is great. Um, there's a lot of great songs that are played throughout it. I mean, when you first, when, uh, Ted Lasso first arrives and it's sort of, you know, he's sort of meeting a hostile British press. We hear God save the queen from the sex pistols, you know, that sort of aggressive, like punk rock song. Right. And then my, my last reference for Lacey specifically is of course the Bowie reference, which, um, yes! is a huge part of an episode. The reference to the diamond dogs album, which I, I hope that, uh... <laughs> 
So fab, fabulous use of that song. And I guess the Diamond Dogs, you know, not to give too much away, but that becomes a name for, for this sort of male support group, which is another thing that, you know, where you're talking about how the they f- talk about their problems together. They do. They do. And that's not, it's a rare thing for sort of a group of, of guys in a sports movie to have this essentially the support group that they even name Diamond Dogs and they get together and they help, they help, uh, you know, when, when their compatriots sort of talk through a relationship issue. So very cool. Lots of other cool tunes. You've got Lizzo, you've got the jam in there elastica there's all kinds of great songs that you'll hear in the background so so you can go to spotify and just there's plenty of playlists you can get the ted lasso playlist um great stuff though too a lot of the details they just got right which i really love about that all right well we're running off on time so to wrap up the show let's do a lightning round who is your favorite character who is not one of the who's your favorite like supporting character who's not like one of the major characters isaac Isaac, hands down. I love Isaac. I love Isaac's little arc in season one so much and how he basically like we quietly watch him build until he basically becomes like the head player in in, in the final episode in, in, in the first season. He, he's one of my favorites and I need more of him. Hmm. Um, I would say I, I really love Sam for, for, for the same reason. I just think he's sort of, he, you know, he, he comes off as this sort of shy kid from Nigeria and, and, you know, Ted just really sort of his character develops over time. And I kind of hope we see more of him because he's really interesting. He's a really interesting fellow. He's got a lot of football skills, but he's also just kind of a, a beautiful person. And, um, you know, uh, Ted sort of protects that and nurtures that as, as he does with, with, you know, all the characters. So yeah, I'd love to see more of Sam. Uh, mine, although it is tempting to say Danny Rojas because I just love Danny Rojas so much. I'm going to say Nate because like Nate just gets such a satisfying little arc of like, he was their sort of equipment. He was the team's equipment manager and like all the players were like verbally abusive to him, but Ted comes in and listens to him and his ideas. And like, he becomes a coach by the end of the season. And it's just like so satisfying because he's such a nice person. I, I do love the way that he tries to be the hard coach in the beginning of season two. <laughs> and like Ted's just like, that's so cute. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Favorite season one episode, if you have one. Oh, I know for sure my favorite is the is the dart, the darts episode. Um, do you know which one I'm referring to? The dart game? Oh, yeah. It's such a great episode because uh, Rebecca's ex-husband has a large role in it. And he's played by uh, the guy that plays Giles from Buffy. The Vampire Slayer. Anthony Head. Mm-hmm. Who I love so much. I, I, I do have to say that, that that if this is an Anthony if this is a moment of Anthony Head like revival, I am here for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a great episode because we that's where we get the sort the Walt Whitman quote, right? The sort of um the the signature quote about and I'm gonna of course forget it when it's on the spot, but essentially be curious, not not judgmental. Right. And that's oh, that is such a satisfying like like, you know, he's going to win the darts match, but it's like, but it's you, so satisfying. But it's still anyway. unexpected. And you don't know why he wins. Right. You never expect it. So, I, you know, that's it's oh, a great he episode. talks about playing darts with his dad. Yeah. Yeah. It's a three tissue episode for sure. Like many of them are. Any favorite episode. 
My favorite is Make Rebecca Great Again. That's my second favorite. The, the one where Roy kisses Keely. And Rebecca sings Frozen. <laughs> I know. Like, and, and, and it's, and. Did we know Hannah Waddingham could sing wow. like that? Nope. I had no idea. Um, I also really love, this is, this is where Ted, like, I, we actually see Ted, like, not behave because he gets really drunk over the divorce papers. Like, there's so much. No, he has a panic. No, he has a panic attack. I thought he, too. no, he gets drunk. Like, I, I think of him as getting Both. drunk. No, he has a Both panic attack happen. in the bar. Yeah. He gets okay. drunk and has a panic attack. <laughs> okay. Um but I really I I think I think that episode is like one of like the best of the season because it just it's it, it's kind of a turning point moment for so many of the characters. And as I said like Roy was my romantic hero of 2020 and yeah, like I just love his relationship with Keely and like yeah, that that's I love just the a- part where they keep playing the video of Keely being on like the <laughs> info screen at the hotel they stay at. <laughs> Yeah, I, I th- that is that is to me like one of the best episodes of the first and season. And a great Japanese pastime, <laughs> karaoke. <laughs> What's mine? Mine is Diamond Dogs. I love that episode. That makes sense. It's so good. And like I said, well, A, it's named after a Bowie song, so how could I not? But it's also like I was saying before, like you very, you so rarely see men behave that way towards each other and only with each other like there's not a woman there making them do that or running interference from them or anything it's just like so nice and i wish more uh i wish more men would do that in real life and on television um i would also note that ted lasso's second season arriving now is also very fortuitous for apple tv plus people um for those who have been basically using apple tv Plus for free because they upgraded their devices that program is now ending um and I don't know exactly when it ends. Um, I just know that it is coming to an end. And that this at this point, they've stopped giving away a free year of Apple TV Plus, And now they only give away oh, three months. What? I was just about to get a new phone. Yeah, they only give away three months now. And they've. I think that started on like July 1st. Or maybe it's going to start on July 31st. Something like that. I Honestly, I should have the article in front of me. And I don't. Um, but basically, like, the, the free year is coming to an end. And this is they now need to ride on actually having good shows like for for the past year and a half since they've like since they launched people have basically been people who have apple tv plus have it because they upgraded their iphones or they upgraded their ipads or they upgraded their 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 backs or whatever they did um and now like this is where the rubber meets the road for this streaming service which you know Unlike, say, like HBO Max or Disney Plus, which, you know, were production companies that had known products, Apple is completely like, you know, building from the ground up. And shows like Ted Lasso and having a really good second season, like this is the time when they need to do that. So I feel like, you know, when uh, Nick said that this is, you know, everything is sort of aligning for Ted Lasso, like I feel like that's another thing that's aligning for it. It's short. Watch Ted Lasso. And and folks, if you do have to pay for Apple Plus to watch this, you're not going to regret that four ninety nine. Trust me. You, <laughs> you are not going to regret it. It's a co- you actually a, know how much it is a month. I don't actually. Right. But you could. But you could, I had yeah, no I idea. Mean, you, could, you could. That's really affordable. You could play the game and wait for them all to drop and then watch those episodes in, you know, in a weekend for four ninety nine with one month or a free month. I don't know. But just do it. You won't be sorry. You're not going to see much better this year. I'm I'm fairly confident. I believe. Okay. I think that's where we're gonna end. Oh, <laughs> believe! I feel like we should all like be slapping the sign over right. the door. Um, that's such an American football thing. Uh, on that note, I think that concludes our Ted Lasso discussion for this week. But since they are rolling the season out over the next like ten or twelve weeks, it's a long time. 
maybe we'll come back to it. I don't know. I don't know what the calendar looks like for the rest of this year because what is time? But uh, thank you to my boss for joining us and chatting about football and stuff, which I know is a real, real struggle it's for tough. him. But th- I mean, I'm, I'm. Thank you so much for letting me talk about this. I'm so passionate about this show. I'm evangelizing this nonstop non-stop to family friends and doesn't it feel good it's been a long time since i've really had a show that i like to in front of people and was like watch this or die um fix your hearts or die exactly um, exactly but thanks thanks again happy to be here it was a lot of fun <laughs> tell tell the people listening where they can find your other football rants and oh you can find me at nick scalera on on twitter i mostly talk about music but uh but other stuff too occasionally when I feel the feel the the urge, um, certainly football is a part of it, and the long suffering fellow fans of Arsenal Foot Club football club will might enjoy this. Um, but uh, but yes, again, great show, loved it, loved being on the pod again. Thanks so much, guys. Yay, Annie, you know the drill. Uh, let's see. You can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily, um, and I am also an associate editor here at televisions.org, and I freelance around the web. So you can basically just uh, check my bylines. Basically, I uh, tweet all my bylines. So just check my Twitter account and like follow me on Twitter, and you'll know what I wrote this week. Unsurprisingly, I reviewed Ted Lasso. Um, and uh, spoiler alert, I loved it. So uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, there you go. Um, I also uh, surprise. I, I also uh, reviewed Sexy Beasts, which um, I did not love nearly as much um let's see yeah that that's it so just be my friend on twitter thanks i am lacy mb on twitter that is l-a-c-y-m-b and i write a lot here at televisions and also elsewhere on the entertainment web but i too always tweet my bylines so follow me and be my friend etc etc you can see all the nonsense that i put forth on the internet under my own name and if you just want the cat pictures the boys are on instagram at baker and hammer we seem to be doing a series of Hammersmith and trash cans because that's his current obsession. I don't know. Cats are weird. And if you don't want any of that stuff and you just want the site, we are on social media at Televisions Blog, all one word on Facebook, and Tele underscore Visions on Twitter. Uh, the site and the pod are a product of WETA. So if you visit us at televisions.org and click on the donate button up top, you can help us keep doing it, support public media, and get access to We a Passport, which has lots of fun things for you to stream that are not Ted Lasso, unfortunately. Um, that is our show for this week. It went a little bit long, so thanks for hanging in there. Thanks again to Nick for being with us. I'm truly just milking the suck-up <laughs> moment for everything it's worth. Uh, for the rest of you guys out there in the dark, as they say on, uh, I don't know, that really sounded like late night trucker radio, but bear with me. Uh, we hope that you are maybe watching the news and maybe putting a mask back on and putting that hand sanitizer back in your purse. The Delta variant is no joke. If you have not been vaccinated, please, please, please do so. Convince the people in your life to do so. Convince strangers on the street to do so if you think they will not actually like, you know, chase you down the street or something. I don't know. We are all we've got. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Do something nice. It's what Ted Lasso would want you to do. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.